declined 11%. The load-to-truck ratio recovered 2.8% from 11.1 to 11.4 loads per truck. Flatbed demand dips 6-point load volume dips 6.1% for flatbeds in January compared to December. And capacity increased 18%, yielding a 21% decline in the load-to-truck ratio month over month. The ratio slid 27% compared to January of 2014 when the extreme weather led to a typical demand for all equipment types. Moving on over into the U.S. flatbed rates. For February 15th through the 21st, national flatbed rates held steady at $2.12 per mile last week, down $0.09 from the January average. Rates slipped $0.08 in January. The national average rate for flatbeds fell $0.08, a 3.5% decline in January to $2.21 per mile compared to January of 2014. However, flatbed rates rose $0.12, Per mile, despite declining fuel surcharge. Quickly checking in across the country, the national average goes as follows. In the Northeast Corridor, Harrisburg checks in at $3.29 per mile on average, which is the high mark throughout the country. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia checks in averaging $2.41 per mile on average. Rock Island checks in at $2.60 per mile on average. Houston, Texas, checking in at $2.41 per mile on average. And Phoenix, Arizona rounds out the West Coast swing and also sets the low water mark, checking in at $1.57 per mile on average out West. So let's move right along and jump over into the U.S. reefer demand and capacity report. Demand for reefers increased 14% last week and capacity declined 11%, again reversing the previous week's trend. The resulting load-to-truck ratio added 28% from 6.2 to 7.9 reefer loads per truck. January ratio dips. The reefer load availability declined 11% and capacity added 3.3% in January compared to December. The resulting load-to-truck ratio to a 9.1 compared to the extreme weather-driven demand for January of 2014, the ratio declined 36%. Now, this is talking about the weather in January of 2014, and like I stated at the beginning of the show, we are here in the south and also up in the Midwest. We are both both areas are starting to experience um uh, Significant weather changes. Um, got some bad winter weather coming through in both areas throughout the country, and it's going to affect the freight rates and lanes. So um, keep an eye on, um, if, you, if you have the tools available to you on your load boards, make sure that you're checking your load, your, uh, load ratios and everything in the areas that you are. If it's safe to do so, there might be some money to be made. But I'll, always remember, uh, you can always money can't buy you another life, so always make sure that you stay safe out there. Um, don't don't risk your life and try and attempt to chase a little bit of money out here that, that may be available. Uh, it's definitely not worth your life. Uh, moving on to the national reefer rates, the national average rate for reefers was unchanged at $2.10 last week, down $0.13 cents from the January average. Outbound rates rose from Fresno, California, and the Elizabeth, New Jersey markets. Rates um, reefer rates dropped eight cents in January when compared to December, the national average, but rose 18 cents compared to January of 2014. Again, a little bit of a looking back and a little bit of perspective from last year to this year. Checking in across the country, Elizabeth, New Jersey checks in at a $2.15 per mile average. Lakeland, Florida, Going to be the southeastern representative checking in at a dollar fifty-seven per mile on average. Green Bay, Wisconsin, sets the high water mark this uh, this week, uh, two dollars and sixty-three cents per mile on average coming out of Green Bay. McAllen, Texas, 
coming in at $2, $2 even per mile coming out of McAllen, Texas. And Fresno, California shows an average of $1.82 for this week. And that rounds up the DAT report. And I'm trying to check my phone lines here, and I'm searching for our guest. And I don't see him on the lines right now. Let's see if he'll check in. And Chuck, if you're listening, press number one, and that can get you in the call screening queue, and that may help us identify you a little quicker. Uh, and for anyone else, uh, if you have a question or anything, go ahead and press the number one, and that'll let us know that you have a question for us, and we'll come directly to you and see if we can't help you and answer your questions. Uh, let's see here. This may be our guest. Hello, Chuck, is that you? You got him, Rico. All right, there we go. That, that helped us pick you up quite easily there. So, Chuck, with uh, we talked about a little bit at the beginning of the show. We experienced a little bit of winter storm remus and everything down here. Um, how how is it that um, one way that we can maybe use this winter storm? Uh, like I was saying, we want to always be safe and everything, but. What are some ways that we can use inclement weather situations to our advantage when we're out here dealing on the spot market? And and not, maybe not even dealing with the spot market, but uh, tell us some experiences. I noticed in your blog that you, you talked about um, actually a bad, well, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad experience, but something that some people may not have taken into an, an account, but you had a customer that you actually ended up costing you some money uh, due to inclement weather. Uh, none of us get the fuel mileage that we should when when we're running in cold, cold weather, and especially uh, half your shift in the truck not moving because of crashes and just getting behind snow plows and everything else. I think we. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. It looks like my call screen is late on the draw, and they're thinking that Chuck has a question. They keep taking Chuck off the air. Let me uh, get them get get him back on the air. Hold on a second. All right, Chuck. I apologize. My call screen seems to think that yes, sir. My call screen that took you off the air. They thought that they, they're a little late on the draw. <laughs> they seem to think that you had a question. But go ahead. I'm sorry. We sorry to interrupt. Anyways, what I was saying is, I guess about to start over. can you hear me now, Rico? Yes, sir. You're coming in loud and clear. Go ahead. Okay, how we can uh, how we can get paid for it is demand it, uh, demand to get paid extra, or demand to get paid a fair price when you know darn well your truck's going to be getting five and a half miles per gallon instead of seven, and that that you know that five hundred mile trip is now going to take you um, you know into your second shift that you're not going to be able to do it in ten hours because of weather. You know, other people get to charge. We need to learn to do it, too. And and that's what I do like about the spot quote market and about negotiating on each shipment is, you know, and we had it this week. I had a shipment going to uh, to Phoenix, and it was, a, it was a partial, and I charged the customer extra. His rates are usually pretty lean, and I charged him extra. I said, you know what, there's, um, there's nothing coming out of there. Um, if we send the driver to L.A., it's not very good out of there yet. Um, I need extra. And you know what? He knew I was right because the ports have been on strike. So we got extra. And I don't think you should be afraid to ask. If you don't ask, you don't get. And I think that's just part of the issue with our business is people are just they're afraid to ask what's, what's owed to them. So if you know your costs are going to be... I was just going to say, my mom always told me a closed mouth don't never get fed, so you have to open your mouth. You got <laughs> How true. <laughs> you know, and we, I think we just have to be able to recognize the fact that we need to get paid extra for when our costs or our product, our costs go up or our productivity goes down. I think that's and, fair. And- 
and just want to touch on the flip side of that of that same conversation. Like I said, I was reading your blog before, and you touched on a situation where, due to some bad weather, you actually had to pay a, a penalty. Yes, we had to pay a thousand dollar fine at a uh, at a receiver's dock to get a load of carrots unloaded. Wow. And you know what's funny? Wow. A segue into away from this is I got a uh, I got a news um, a news briefing today from the Ontario Trucking Association. Proud to say that these guys and, and I've been a member of the Ontario Trucking Association for years. I've never been very active in it because I guess I'm still hurting from my gypsy days when those guys were always trying to get me closed down. Uh, but now they did allow me to become a member, um, and I don't need to go to you know I don't need to go to dances or to meetings and hear how good everybody is or how bad they are. I really don't care. Um, however, you know they do some things that are right, and the best thing that I think they've ever done is they've sent out a survey to all their members to ask their drivers and their dispatchers who the worst and best receivers are and shippers as far as driver abuse, because something I've been talking about for ages is the the abuse that drivers receive at shipping and loading docks is having an effect on people leaving our industry. And now all of a sudden, the same people that mistreat drivers at, at uh, receiving docks and shipping docks are the same people that expect those same drivers to go into their stores. And to buy their product. And I got to tell you, there was a, I'm not going to mention names, but there was a, a very, very large U.S. chain that came up to Canada. And when they came up here, they, um, they interviewed all sorts of carriers, including us. And they kept say, raising the bar, saying, well, you need to have so many trucks. You need to have a warehouse. You need to have flatbeds. You know, it just got stupider and stupider. And then finally, after we had gone through like five meetings with these people, they said, no, you don't have enough trucks. Get out of here. And I wasn't the only one they did that to. And I tell you what, I never shopped at one of their stores. And now they have left Canada and closed, I forget how many stores, and laid off 18,000 people. But it cost them hundreds of millions of dollars for this mistake. Now, I don't think it was just because they mistreated um truckers, but it was the way they mistreated people in general up here. And I think that one may have bit them in the backside. So I think that truckers can be a little bit more vocal and stuff than they have been. People need us. Absolutely. And, and that's an excellent way to vote. You can always vote with your wallet. You know, that, that's one of the best and most effective ways to do your voting is with your wallet. And, you know, uh, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Um, and, and I think that now, you know, we, we've been talking for quite a while that, you know what I'm saying, that, and right now it seems to be things are a little bit tight, but, of course, still we're going to have massive amounts of freight that's going to be available to us, and, and we've been saying for a long time that if, if, if the trucking community does not go back and correct the many years of wrongs that it has endured, that... uh It'll, it will never be able to get you know get this thing turned around the way in the direction that it needs to be uh, pointed in. Now is the time that, and I know it's going to be tough sledding. It's going to be because you know once you allow some things to go for a while, it's going to be tough to get it back to an equal footing. But I, I think that these are some of the good fights that are going to have to be had had in order for us to uh, you know to to get the, the trucking community back where it needs to be. Uh, I think that we need to be. Um, we we may not need to be as as um what's the word that I'm looking for? We may not no, need to be as barbaric. <laughs> Bar- <laughs> we may, may not need to be as barbaric in, in, in some situations as as the shippers and brokers were to us. I think that you know you know as as a good business practice, you know um, we may you know temper temper results a little bit, but uh, you know. But at the same time, we, you know, we, we got a lot of, of, of wrongs to correct in this industry when it comes down to, you know, with the, the, the delays and the tensions and stuff like that. And I understand that some of that stuff is just um, 
uh, cost of doing business. But at the same time, some of these people expect for you to do this stuff for free. And, um, it, it's just, it's just unreasonable. Now that leads me to a question that I got for each other. And I think that some people, uh, you know, and we, we build this out tonight. We was telling people about, of course, they've, familiar with with you guys and traffic as much as you guys have been gracious enough to come on the show um but you know you all run a trucking company in a brokerage house so if someone has if someone has a contract and and are are dealing with a broker say if you have a a broker that you're dealing with on a consistent on on a run and with with the inclement weather that you have right now of course you you they're they're basically giving you the freight um Every time they're tendering the freight to you on every move, so it's, it's not necessarily a, a, a written out contract. It's basically a spot market move that you're doing for them all the time. Uh, but you've got to already pre-negotiated the rates. But like, say, if you're into a weather situation where, okay, now you're not going to be able to move that freight. Now, say, if you you know if the weather prevents you from being able to move that freight. Uh, but you could have maybe moved that truck in another in a different area if you weren't obligated to move that freight. How do you think? How do you, as as a, as a broker and also a trucking company, how would you err on a situation on on something like that? Would you try to go back and charge them for a truck order not used if the shipper decides that they're not going to ship, and you possibly maybe could have found other freight to move, or do you at, at, at the sense of of protecting the relationship? Do you? Um, try to nurture that relationship and just understand, okay, well, this is not going to happen. This is not an everyday occurrence. And, you know, we'll, we'll take this one and just, and just keep moving. What, where, what side of the spectrum do you fall on, on a situation like that? You know, that's a, that's a great question. And, and I have a philosophy here at traffics. Um, you know, sometimes we, sometimes we lose money when we do things. And, and what the, uh, what the guideline here is, if you're going to lose money moving a load or, or servicing a customer or whatever, the, what you have to think is, what would I pay to have this customer? Would I pay $1,000 to have this customer? And if the answer is yes, gladly, then if you're going to lose $1,000, shut up about it and lose your $1,000. Am I going to lose $10,000 to have this customer? Well, maybe, maybe not. Um, you know, it really depends on the customer. Do you really want to save that relationship? That's the other thing, Rico. Are, are these relationships, some of these relationships are worthwhile. And I'm going to use an example. Let's just say you were taking loads into some place like Denver, Colorado, that is notorious for lack of freight. But you lucked into right. something out of Denver. And, you know, you've got a broker that loads you every week out of Denver. Are you know, and it's 52 weeks a year, he's loading you. Are you going to do anything to jeopardize that relationship when you need to get out of Denver? So you really have to weigh these things out. That's where you come into that. Uh, you hear the philosophy of firing the customer. Is it, it, it's the right. customer worth you firing? Know, <laughs> you know, I have one, Rico, um, now I have one going on these days. Um, they're a large outbound shipper out of Canada. And they've always been pretty good, but they were able to be pretty good because uh, for the last eight years, they they got cheap, cheap, cheap rates because there was very little out of here. Now, all of a sudden, things are starting to get a little better here because our dollar is so weak because we our dollar is based, really, it's a petrodollar. It's totally based on a barrel of oil, which is kind of stupid, but it it's working out for the manufacturers that are left. But anyways, this customer, has uh, he's hurting now for the fact that all of a sudden he's got to pay more for his transportation. And it's, it's bothering him, and he's gone elsewhere, and it keeps blowing up in his face, playing games all over the place. And it's the first time in all my years of business where I don't want to fire the customer. I'd like to keep him. But I'm going to have to sit down and draft a contract. And it's the first time ever because, you know, I'm kind of old school. And up in Canada, I've only seen a couple of real contracts that were real contracts that had real teeth and they had penalties and everything else. Usually contracts in our business state 
that I will hold this for this rate. Um, and if I want out, I give you 21 days notice. You want out, you give me 21 days notice and that's it. And, you know, and that's one of the ones that have, uh, that even have any type of notice. A lot of them, you know, they don't, customer doesn't have to give you notice. Um, but on this one, I'm looking at drafting a contract with what I'm going to be responsible and what they're going to be responsible for. Because they keep throwing stuff at me that they expect me to be responsible for. Um, such mm-hmm. as when we drop off something at a loading dock uh, and the shipper signs it in such a way that he's going to confirm it later and they want me to be responsible right. for that. I will not. You know, I just refuse. And I told them that. I can't be responsible for freight that goes into a ship, into a uh, receiver that we can't even, driver can't even be in the warehouse 90% of the time. And we don't know what they're doing with that stuff. And there's going to be a shortage a week later and they're going to claim us. I don't want to haul us freight. So those are the things we're running into. And I just want to remind all the callers that are on the line. We got quite a few callers on the line. Like I said, stated before, Chuck Chuck Snow is our guest. He's the CEO of Traffics. He has a uh, truckload division, and he also runs the oldest brokerage service in uh, Canada. Even though he's he, even though he's a Canadian carrier and Canadian brokerage, uh, the trucking industry is pretty much identical. Uh, There's some some different things you got to do to get in and out of Canada, but. Definitely, Chuck is someone that brings a vast amount of knowledge to the table. So if you have any questions, um, if you want to know how to maybe start a brokerage company, if you want to know how to help grow your fleet, now would be an excellent time to press number one and get in and try to pick Chuck's brain and get some of this knowledge to see how you can better equip yourself in your situation to help you grow your business and help you do it bigger and better in the coming year. Um, Chuck, I got a report here that's, uh, it may help you guys out of that way. Um, says with all this weather and stuff that's going on, I try to keep an eye on, um, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, producers throughout the country. And it says that here that, uh, Florida veggies mostly escaped their freezing damages from the Southeast, but the blueberries have been hit hard in the Northern Florida and, and, and uh, South Georgia areas. Um, so, and, it, and it's talking about that we may start to see some early shipments coming out of uh, Florida for the spring produce season. Um, any any uh, insight? Anything you want to you want to share on that? Well, uh, yeah, it may it may get a little better down there. You know, we we see Florida every year um, diminishing the amount of produce that they are growing there seems to get a little bit less every year. Believe it or not. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to hear that, but it's not, you know, Florida is nothing like it used to be for produce. And I'm guessing part of it's the cost of labor and cost of property and everything else. Yeah, could be, could be. looks like we have a caller on the line, a uh, caller calling in from the 704 area code. Caller, you're on the line. You're in with Rico and Chuck. How can we help? Hey, Rico. It's Jim that lives in Charlotte. Uh, how are you doing? How you, hi, Chuck. Hi, Jim from Charlotte. Yeah, well, I've got... Hey, Jim. You know, uh, hey, Rico. Say, um, you, Rico, I've heard uh, when you've had Hank on your show before, the uh, the traffic lawyer, since, Chuck, Chuck, you're on the phone talking about these things, the shippers want to sneak in the contract so you're liable for everything. You know, as a, um, I actually asked him, uh, a Hank on the show, I said, you know, like one of the biggest brokers is uh, C.H. Well, he wouldn't name names. You know, I, right. I let's just say I'm going to name C.H. Robinson. I think they're a good broker, but I'm not at all bashing them. But in their fine print, you know, their rate carry, their, their carrier packet agreement, you know, you basically sign your rights to salvage. And they can go, you also sign, I think, why do, do I, I won't say necessarily them, but some of them you you uh, you sign that you're liable beyond your hundred thousand dollar cargo uh, insurance liability, and I was I would you know that's something that I know the it's kind of been in the in the uh, shipper side is there's you know in the last ten years there's been you know more uh, trucks generally than freight you know, where where they can stick all this junk in there that's bad for the truck owner operators or companies, and I was just wondering. 
like your company as a brokerage, do you have things like, I mean, I don't think that, it seems like there should be some sort of a, I don't know if it's a law or, you know, I know we don't necessarily need more laws, but I don't think that the, if you've got a $100,000 cargo insurance, I don't think there should be some some condition that can go after you for more than that and run you right out of business, it will, especially if it's nothing you have control over. So I guess that's what uh, you, know, you talk about that. Yeah, I totally, I, so, uh, I totally so, agree so, with you. So, yes. So let me jump in. Let me jump in just one second before you get into that. Ahead, before you, I want, I want to put this out there and I'm saying this to everybody else on the line. And I know that, uh, we as, we as we have to start taking on the connotation that we're business owners and get away from the connotation of truckers. And because what that, what that signifies to me is that we're unsophisticated. And I think that a lot of times that that's what a lot of, um, a lot of businesses, uh, different uh, brokers and anything else, they rely on our unsophistication. We have to come out of just being an ass in the seat and just, well, we're going to drive down the road. We have to start, as, as a business owner, it is our responsibility to start to understand and look at what our rights are protecting our interests. And as long as we continue to deny ourselves and continue to allow everyone else to make up the rules of the games, then we're going to continue to get exactly what it is that they want us to have. And that's my little, I'm going to get off my soapbox and, and, and Chuck, I'm going, to, I'm going to let you take back over. <laughs> Rico, you know, God bless you. Uh, I think you, I think what you said was right on. Uh, I, I think you were, you pinpointed the exact thing. And of course the, the larger and more sophisticated and, um, aggressive brokerage houses are going to prey on the weak. I guarantee you that they would never send something like that to those people out of Wisconsin that have 15,000 orange trucks because they'd laugh at them. Right. So, you know, as long as there are people out there that are not smart enough to read the contract or so bloody desperate to take anything from anybody, this will keep precipitating. And you're right. We do need to be business people if we're going to be if we're going to survive and prosper. You know, for for too long, we have survived. And that's a wonderful thing to survive, but we do have a chance now to prosper. And we prosper by holding our values. And, you know, there are some, listen, if you're running into an area and you've got to get out of it, yes, you can do it cheaper, and, and you know your cost. And that's okay. I don't fault anybody for that. Because they know their cost. If you're getting, you know, three dollars a mile into an area and you've got to get out and you can you can comfortably run that freight back for a dollar twenty five a mile and make money at the end of the day, that's a free market. And and that's what we asked for um when we asked for deregulation in our market. So we cannot have it both ways. And I don't think we want to go back to the way it was years ago where you would apply for authority for you know, either a commodity for or a customer, because I don't think, as Jim agreed, um, we don't want the government running our businesses any more than they already do through, you know, under the disguise of safety. Say, so, Chuck, can I jump in and ask you something? Please go ahead. See, the, like we're a new carrier, you know, with my wife and I team for Roadrunner for the last six years, and they were a good company, but we wanted, you know, just to continue our path. The right. problem that I'm realizing is a new carrier, you know, you got C.H. Robinson takes new authority, Landstar takes new authority. We have no bargaining power. Like, you know, C.H. Robinson, I'm well, they're, they're the world's biggest broker, uh, and, and I think they're a very reputable company. But, but there is, you know, should something go wrong, and they chose to, you know, that we, we could be right out of business because they have, you know, uh, so that, I guess, I guess it's, it's mostly, would you agree that it's mostly a matter of luck when you're, when you're, when you're one, the problem is, is that even if I say, well, we're going to scratch this out of the agreement, you know, there's too many other people that, I mean, they'll just laugh. They'll laugh at me. Like you said, the orange company will laugh at, at them. I've, right. the one truck thing, I've got no leverage at all. I mean, I wouldn't get any freight. So it's kind of like, it seems like it's a matter of just hopefully your, your luck holds out, you know. Or yeah, but you know. Means, okay. I'm not I, 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 got something, I got something for that as well, Chuck. Go ahead, Rico. I got something for that one. Well, um, speaking from experience, with in particular, 
with with uh, C.H. Robson. Um, we no longer haul for C.H. Robson. I used to enjoy hauling for C.H. Robson, but we had we had a situation with C.H. Robson. Um, and it was basically came down to a situation with detention, um, you know, detention and layover. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we held to our, we held to our guns. We got what we got, what we thought was fair and reasonable. Um, uh, Mr. Robinson, uh, representatives didn't think that we were, uh, they didn't, they didn't like that. We didn't capitulate and do the dance, do the song and dance they wanted us to do. And so they said, you know, they exercised their option as far as no longer wanting to load our trucks. Well, guess what? I've been doing just fine without uh, hauling any of uh, C.H. Robinson's freight. But the other aspect is, and one thing that we've talked about, like I said at the beginning of the show, we as, even though you may be a one-truck guy or two-truck guy or however many trucks that you got, we have to take the bull by the horns and begin to go out here. And I think that we are leaving uh, um, opportunities on the table by us not going out and soliciting and trying to get direct freight. Uh, it may, it may, uh, confine us to, um, some, you know, I've heard the argument about people that didn't want to do the dumbbell situation because they, they, you know, they like, they enjoy the freedom of being able to travel throughout the country or whatever. And don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with it. As long as you are happy with your business model and it's operating the way that you want it to operate, you know, this is America. You got free will. God bless you. But I'm, I'm just saying from, from a standpoint of being a, a shrewd business person, we have to kind of uh, um, plot a way to make a situation to where we can put ourselves in the best situation possible for us and our business. And as a one truck, as a one truck operator, you cannot run, you cannot effectively service the entire country um, or a customer. But if you find no. a, a two, two or three good solid customer bases in two distinct areas. And if you're running back and forth between those distinct areas, you can serve the hell out of those customers and give them what they want and what they need and, and make a nice living for yourself and also uh, have some availability to yourself to begin to expand. Uh, if, if it's in your goals, if it's, if it's part of your goals to be able to expand your fleet and grow your company. But that's just, you know, that's my opinion. And, so, and Chuck, with so, that, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be quiet and let you get in. Well, no, I agree with you, Rico, but you have to pick. Um, you can't be running. You can't have everything. And if you want to, uh, Jim, I don't know your, uh, I don't know your business model. If you want to chase the, uh, the freight in the produce lanes, uh, if that's what you and your wife are doing, then you're going to have to, you know, uh, you know, you're going to have to go to the, the larger broker houses, the brokerage houses, the CHs of the world and anybody else because you're, you're going to always be chasing that freight going, getting into the produce markets that you're trying to service. Um, where if you just pick like Rico says, and I think Rico is so right on with this. If you're, if you want to build a business with your one truck and just service you know, two points, you know, from, uh, you know, from North Carolina to South Carolina or North Carolina to, uh, to New York, whatever it is, just do that and get good at it. Right. And so, and then you don't really need, you can then start, you can go through the brokers and then start looking around while you're doing that. And you can, when you're in a city, you can go, well, you know what? I'm just going to call these people up and be prepared to do a dog and pony show and see if they have freight when you're in New York or New Jersey going back to North Carolina. It's not rocket science. Uh, it's a lot of work. It's, it's hard work. And the one thing you have to remember, and I always say this, uh, you have to be prepared when you're dealing with direct customers that if that direct customer goes out of business, you have no recourse. At least with a broker, you should have some recourse. This is true. We have none whatsoever. Wait, what, you're losing me on the recourse. What? I'm somehow that's skipping. I, I'm not understanding. I'm not seeing what you're talking. With recourse with damage okay. mean or no? I'm talking about, and this has happened to anybody that's been in business for a long time. If you're shipping for ABC Plastics right. out of New Jersey, and you're getting loads to North Carolina, and they close up tomorrow, oh, you're okay. on your own. If they owe you. Twenty thousand um, dollars. 
you know, the best I've ever gotten on any of these settlements is probably about five cents on the dollar. I understand. The trustees steal it all. Right. So by yeah. the time they're, yeah, well, by the time they're finished stealing it, there's nothing left for the poor trucker. So can I jump in and just to stick to my original thing uh, for, for both both of you? Um, sure. Do you both make sure? Like I don't. I'm I, like when I'm doing like it's. I've I've already had the experience now with new authority that a lot like like when our first load matter of fact a broker uh, I posted the truck in Charlotte and, and a broker called and I was filling out we don't have a fax machine uh, because we're usually in the truck why well, once they were I mean we just don't have a fax machine and I was taking time filling out this uh, rate this agreement that was about ten pages long and I, I'm not reading it I'm just initialing it where I initial and sign where I sign and he already called in the middle thinking I was looking for a better paying load you know so I'm like. So I, I I think the majority of people out here don't read those or, and they sign them. But now, bo- do both of you make sure that you're only liable for the hundred thousand in terms of the freight, you know, damaging the freight or whatever? That's that's where I was really most interested. Do both of you make sure that you're not reliable beyond your whatever your cargo insurance would cover, so that you're not risking your business? I'm in a little different boat there, Jim, because I have a a very very large cargo policy, so. I'm able to to weather these storms, but I do take. Um, we watch what we haul these days. Um, I'm really um, I'm not interested in hauling a lot of electronics and things like that from California anymore. There's too great a chance of theft, um, and sometimes, and I don't want to get anybody in trouble. It certainly seems like inside jobs. Um, and I'm yeah. just so sick of I'm so sick of these stupid claims. Um, that I'm just, I'm done with it. So, you know what? I'd rather haul something that is of lesser value for a couple dollars more and protect myself that way. Uh, And as far, well, I'm sorry, Chuck, go ahead. Let me let you finish. Go ahead, Rico. No, I'm good. No, well, well, as far as what you were talking about, Jim, if you're going to haul, there are brokers out there that have reasonable, uh, contract, uh, as far as carrier, uh, carrier broker agreements. There are some brokers out there that do have, reasonable uh agreements even handed agreements uh and maybe that's something that um you know uh i'll maybe try and talk with chad about uh, or uh, maybe something that he might be able to cover on his show uh, or brokers and beyond um but there are a few brokers that are that are available that are out there that have uh like i say that are fairly reasonable even-handed contracts that that are not outrageous um matter of fact if you're a member of nastic nastic has a, a directory of brokers, some of some of their brokers, not all of them, uh, but some of their brokers as well. Have, like I say, you know, just as a as a starting point, uh, you know. But I'm I try to make it a, a point to read all of the uh, broker agreement contracts that we sign. Now, not to say that I haven't signed some bad ones because before I before <laughs> I knew what I knew, uh, <laughs> I, 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 hey, I'm, I'm just like I'm just like the other, you know, just like mostly everybody else. When I first got into this thing, I thought that hey. Uh, you know, you just go along with what everybody else is doing because that's what everybody else does. Hey, you sign it, don't say anything, and keep keep going. and hope nothing bad happens. Um, yeah. But as the more sophisticated that we've, we've, we've tried to get and the more experience that we've tried to get over through the course of the years, you know, there's an old saying that goes that when you know better, you do better. And that's kind of that's kind of our situation, you know. <laughs> Can I? Can I? I've got. Since now you're both encouraging direct shippers, here's a question that comes to mind. I don't mean to be hogging. If I'm hogging time, just cut me off. Go ahead. Let me. Let me. Go right in. Okay, because I'm. I've got some friends in Charlotte that have their authority, and and one problem that sort of comes, although they just cheated. You know, I mean, in this problem, I would probably do. A lot of these agreements have uh, the, the deal where you can't solicit that. Like if you start getting good freight from somebody through a broker, and you're like, "Wait a minute, this I didn't even know that thing was there. It's five miles away, and I could, I could, I'd rather be a direct, you know, shipper for this thing." Um, in, in most of those agreements, there's a deal where you you can't, you have to have a year or two of not using that brokerage service, you know, a, a separate, you know, that time lapse before you can solicit that customer. So where, where, what would I do as a new person? You know, I need I need that spot market freight just to survive right now. So I mean, at some point, am, am I shooting myself in the foot to be getting brokered loads out of Charlotte in, in terms in case that 
what if that was a customer that I want to solicit tomorrow? No, you know what? That's a great, Jim, great point, because uh, we've run into that ourselves. And I can tell you that we've got a pretty strict policy here. See, I'm running two businesses here that are contrary to each other. Um, many years ago, when I before we, Traffic's actually got trucks, um, you know, we were competing head-to-head with, all the brokers around, and uh, to be honest, we didn't necessarily, I didn't get along with most of them um, because I'd been here longer than them and my toes were stepped on. And uh, what happened was when we got our trucks, I had to earn my, you know, I had to earn trust from the brokerage community because I was the last guy in the world they trusted, they hated me because I'd been around so long. So, I had to earn trust, and, and load by load, I did earn it, and I will not back solicit. So my best advice to you is don't, uh, pardon my pun here or my language, but don't poop in your own backyard. Um, you live there. You're going to want to solicit there. So I'd run 40 miles up the road and solicit out of there, and then it's free game, and then that leaves your home base for you to develop your own internal customers by by doing all those things that we've talked about on this show, by joining chambers of commerce and all sorts of things like that. At least the door open, and nobody can ever say that you back solicited them. Hey, that's so. So you're saying as a new person, like don't look if, if purposely look for you know for my origin load out of Charlotte when we leave home again. Well, we're 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 actually in Salisbury, North Carolina, food line getting unloaded right now, and then we'll be home, so we'll be leaving next week. So you're saying when I leave, you know, don't look for that load right in the 50-mile-around Charlotte radius where I would like to find somebody. Look look outward to that so that I'm never going to be in that situation. Yeah, that's that's see, that's something I exactly. thought about. Exactly. That gives you, if you have a 50-mile radius of Charlotte that you keep to yourself for 40 miles, you got plenty of freight for one truck. My God, you could build Absolutely. an empire just with, yeah, you know, okay. Well, in Charlotte's growing so much, I could probably have draw a twenty mile radius and have more than. Uh, I mean, there's it, it's really get, getting big, but uh, it is. Now, what are you doing if you don't want me asking? What, what drive van? Uh, drive yeah, in and drive. yeah, okay. And where are you going? Everywhere. We our first our first loadout. Uh, we had teams for Roadrunner to like the the northwest, you know, either Portland or Seattle and back. So just be, because that's our comfort zone, I made a mistake, actually. We got paid quite well for this time of year. We got about $2 a mile out to, out west just on our first trip, you know, from a, a shipment. Luckily, that wasn't, that happened to, by, by luck, be about 50 miles away from Charlotte where it loaded. So that, that's not something I would want as a customer. But, but the problem was I wasn't aware how bad the freight was out there compared to December when we were running under road run. I mean, it, it is awful out the whole west coast. It's just well, I don't have to tell you. It's it's uh, it, it, yeah. It's, it's, but, but but anyway, I mean, yeah. We, we you also have to remember though, Jim, that that you know when you're when you're an independent operator and you're you know you're used to a a machine like Roadrunner, who has who has dozens of um of franchisees or whatever they you know companies they bought that they're, they're like franchisees. They are. And they yeah. bring and they bring this freight to the table, uh, to the you know to the table that they have had for decades. That right. even when you get lousy months like January, there's still tons of freight out of the Pacific Northwest that companies like Roadrunner have. And now you're a guy that's the new kid in town going out to Portland or Seattle. And you're going, hi, I'm Jim from North Carolina. Load me. And they're going, are you joking? You know, um, you're not going to get loaded with a dry van. Ha, huh, I can't put my apples in there. And and uh, you may be comfortable driving, you know, along 90 and, and going into Seattle or, or 84 going into Portland, but you haven't built a business in there, in that right. lane. Right. So I don't know what you're doing driving there. Uh, you know, you're 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 going for a tour. Two dollars a mile out there this time of year is lousy because you're lucky to get. You'd be lucky to get a dollar thirty, dollar forty coming home, which is what we got a dollar forty coming home. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you know what? You ended up doing. You know, you didn't make a lot of money on that. 
well, the average would be about two two dollars and the dollar dollar seventy. Really, you know, the good thing is that we're used to less than that. You know, with Roadrunner, just I mean, there we went to Roadrunner because they pay more than Schneider, who we were who we were with before that. They're both good companies. You know, they're both you know starting Great out with we're learning. Yeah. I mean, I really have a lot of, what I really like, you know, Schneider, they're, they're, they're the way they spec trucks. I mean, I, I, I maintain contact actually with some people. Uh, I mean, there, there's a lot of good things about them. They're, they're, they didn't get but, to as big as they are by being bad. <laughs> no, you're right. But, but, but anyway, so I, I still, I look, you know, we, we have a low cost of operation. We have a new truck that actually is, oh, there's only one glitch. We've got a new Cascadia that just gets the, we got nine something about nine. We were real light going out. We got nine and a half. So coming back heavy with forty five thousand pounds in the trailer, we still got seven five. So you know, so the our cost of we got the warranty on the truck. So my cost of operation, I think, is around. I have got to do it, but it's about in the, around eighty. If I, if I oh, whoa, 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 whoa! Hold it there. You're sorry. Uh, you're way off. Um, you're not putting any, you know, I can tell right away and I don't know what, there's no way you're running a truck at 80 cents a mile. Um, you, you've got wages for two people. You've got wear and tear on that truck. You've got depreciation right. on that truck. You haven't taken any of that into consideration. And, and that's where, that's where you get into trouble. Yeah. Right now that truck's not going to cost you a dime. Okay. Just put fuel in it and away you go. But you know what? In 12 or 18 or 24 months, you're going to have to put rubber on that truck. And I don't know oh, yeah. if you've bought tires lately, but the bloody things are, they're gold. And then, yeah. that's right. And then God forbid, you're going to, um, you're going to have other issues that they'll weasel out of the warranty. It'll be a turbocharger or whatever. And then if you keep <laughs> the truck long enough, um, if you keep that truck long enough, you're going to have to rebuild that engine, and that's thirty, probably thirty thousand bucks. I don't know what it's going to be by then, but you right. have to take that money and put it away in an account, and you know, figure out. You take your payment and then put some money on for every mile. One of the things that we're doing at Traffics is uh, we've been running a, a fleet of new Volvos out of uh, our Calgary terminal. And they're, they're, those trucks have every creature comfort that a truck driver could ever dream of. Our challenge has been getting service in Alberta because it's just so busy, and the Volvo dealers are just, they're busy. And they can't get to those trucks often enough or fast enough. So what we're doing there is we've gone back to something I did, you know, 37 years ago, um, and went back to to Ryder, and this is the true cost. And the truck is, um, I think it's about twenty five hundred dollars, twenty six hundred dollars per month, and about eleven cents a mile. That's the real cost, right? Because you're throwing maintenance in there with the payment. Well, because yeah, I, I you got it. Okay, so when you're figuring out. Your cost, add that up. Now, if I were you, and I'm not telling you how to run your business, I'm just going to give you a suggestion. Pick somewhere that's doable where you could service the heck out of it, such, and do something crazy that nobody else wants. Like maybe run, um, you know, from North Carolina into, into somewhere in the Northeast, like maybe Jersey, New York, somewhere like that, that people don't want to go to. And you can run that. Well, yeah, I know, but you see, people will pay you more. Yeah, that's true. And get good at it. It's not impossible to do it. No, no. And now all of a sudden, you take that truck and you do a spin in a day. And somebody's going to pay you three or four dollars a mile to run from Charlotte um, into New York City. And even if you got a dollar fifty home, you're back the next day. Yeah, no, that's I've met and, and, somebody. And there are customers on both ends that would love to get their hands on guys like you. And meanwhile, until you have those customers, there are brokers on both ends. You know, there there are the courier companies and and everybody else you could go to in that playground, and you could make some serious money. And I would leave that I ninety corridor out to Portland and Seattle. Leave that for somebody else to play in. Yeah. Well, You'll go broke real fast doing that one. 
Yeah, no, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll, 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 I'll let that sink in. Uh, may I ask both of you if, um, as with being new, because the one thing I have run into that's really um, uh, just it's, it's it's frustrating is that there'll be a lot of good loads, but they won't take people unless you have six months. It tends to be six months or or or, or even a year. Or what, what other than C H Robinson and Landstar? Any other recommendation? Like this low, we, we it seems like it's um, the smaller new brokers are actually the ones that I'm like. This low was a small, fairly new broker that. Since they're a new broker, they 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 weren't going to worry about us having new authority, and it ended up being decent right down to uh, it was um, ended up being about eight seventy five for the three hundred and fifty miles from where we picked it up near near DC down to Salisbury. So that was it was a decent rate, you know. That's so fantastic. Is, is that is, does that tend yeah. to be what what a yeah who, yeah? No, no yeah, I, you, I don't know what you're you're a member of that, right right Jim? Yes, yes, uh, Rika. Okay, so you so you have access to the uh, Nastic brokers. Um, I would try and I would look into the areas like we talked about doing the dumbbell, and we're we're running with about two minutes left in the show. I would you start looking at uh, considering doing a dumbbell. I would look at look up those brokers in the areas in which you anticipating on that you would like to run in, and maybe making some calls to those brokers in those specific cities. And, and see if you can't start beginning to develop those relationships. And that would be one way to um, circumvent uh, from having to just running strictly off the low board, you know, start developing those relationships until you can get in and get those, um, get out there and get those direct customers. That would be one way to help, uh, um, you know, kind of backdoor the situation. Yeah, Rico, I wasn't that would aware be my- of Okay, I wasn't aware they had so I didn't know Nastic had certain brokers in certain areas and all this. I guess I was I never went to the class yet, so so I guess I would. Thanks for telling me. I really did not know that. I'll, I'll it's call in the handbook. Uh, we're members of yeah, Nastic also, and right, it, it, it is in the handbook. <laughs> and Jim, if you want to yeah. call me tomorrow, um, I'll get you set up here. Uh, we do have a fair bit of interstate freight that. Our trucks can't do, obviously, and I'd be glad to work with you. And and I, I put Jim back on hold, Chuck. We only got about sixty seconds left, so uh, with those sixty seconds, I want to turn that over to you. Is it anything that you know? If you want to give out any contact information or websites and all that stuff, people, how they can get in contact with you, I'll let you take it. Thank you, Rico. Uh, our website is real easy. It's www.traffics.com. And my email address is just as easy. It's chuck at traffics.com, T-R-A-F-F-I-X. The phone number here is 800-388-4352. My extension is 203. That's 203. And I do return all voice and emails. Thank you, everybody. All right. Well, cool, cool. Well, we got about... 10 seconds left, and with those, I'd like to thank everyone to help make this show possible. Thanks to Kevin Rutherford, Lisa Rutherford, and the entire Let's Truck team. This has been Rico Muhammad coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia, with our special guest, Chuck Snow from Traffics. We'd like to thank everyone for their participation tonight. God bless you. Thank you. Good night. Stay safe out there, everybody. Appreciate it. Good night. Good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on Rates and Lanes. If you like what you heard here, leave us a rating and review on iTunes or listen to our other shows at audioroad.letstruck.com. To get in touch with our tribe, call us at 855-800-PUEL. That's 855-800-3835. Thanks for joining us for the ride down the audio road.